Yes, coming in hot with episode 19 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who was heard yelling, play on, after Pickford's tackle <laughs> on Van Dyke, Jobber. That is, that is Hello, 100% mate. not true. I'm, I'm, I am great. We'll touch on this later. That is not true. Um, I've seen followed by followed by an all ball, all ball, uh, and let the boys Oh, people are going to turn off listening after hearing that. That is uh, not true. That's uh, um, not true. Um, so, flavor of the pod, flavor of the pod today. Um, we've got an opening question. Then we're moving on to the weekly happenings, EPL review, and then the Champions League preview. So. Full pod, so I suppose let's get into it. You got an opening question for everyone. Yeah, look, so um, Jurgen Klopp had quite a bit to say about VAR on uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning, um, and it got me thinking: if an elevator broke down and you had to be stuck with one footballing person for a number of hours, and don't say Dion Dublin, Sean, and we all know why, um, <laughs> who would you want to be stuck with, and why? Uh, the first Dion Dublin mensch for a couple of pods. <laughs> but um, I've actually got two, and I'm allowed to have two because I'm a co-host of the pod. So the first one is um, David Silver. reason for that is he wouldn't take up much room. He's a rather petite man, as you know, so I'd have plenty of room in the lift. And he'd also have whatever it needs to unlock the doors too. So oh, that's my first one. The second one, and the one I'm going to go with, is uh, Herman Haradison. So you might remember him, a um, bit of a popular man, a bit of a journeyman, um, but he's most known for being relegated, being dropped down the leagues, and this is why I'm going with him, being dropped down the leagues um, five times. So um, if I'm with him, I'm sure to get relegated all the way to the bottom four. So he's a no-nonsense defender who got relegated with every Premier League team he played for. He got relegated with Crystal Palace, 98, Wimbledon, 2000, Ipswich, 2002, Portsmouth, 2010. Charlton Athletic, 2007. So that's a, that's a long way to the bottom there. Um, so I've gone with Herman Haradison. Who have you gone for and why? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I thought I'd just be stuck in there for a couple of hours. I haven't thought about moving the elevator. Um, so I have gone for Tony Pullis. So my thinking behind that is one of the greatest stories of football that I know is um, apparently Tony Pullis, after Stoke got hammered by Arsenal, walked into the shower wearing nothing but a towel and head-butted James Beattie. So I would have a couple of questions for Tony. First of all, why? Um, I understand your chat. Second one is, was he wearing his cap when he did it? So I imagine a fully nude Tony Pullis head-butting James Beattie wearing a baseball cap. The third one is, why are you showering? Like you're the manager. <laughs> what happened to make you that sweaty that you needed to shower? Um, and, and then so, so this story, this story is a bit disputed, isn't it? Because because um, he headbutted him, everyone's like, "There's no way he's dished out a headbutt because he doesn't go anywhere without that Stoke hat." So yeah, so the whole the whole thing just seems so so crazy to me. But I just want to know. Like, so I can picture it in my head. <laughs> Are we looking at two middle-aged men, one naked wearing a baseball cap, walking into a shower to headbutt someone? Um, I don't know. It's just so many questions I want to ask Tony about the incident, and it it, it troubles me every day. So I've gone with nice. Tony Pullis. Tony Pullis. Nice to hear um, James Beattie's name there too. He had, a, he had a hell of a season for Southampton one year, didn't he? He went on a real run. Yeah. Good score a goal. 
could score mm. a goal, but couldn't take a head butt by. Well, we don't know. So <laughs> 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 he didn't take it too well. <laughs> we'll never know. Tony got hold of him. But, Can't yeah. take a naked head butt from another man. But let, let's move on. Um, <laughs> it's been a hell of a week um, in football. So the big game this week um, was Celtic versus Rangers. And I know we're going to get some more people writing hate mail. But um, Celtic didn't manage a shot on target in losing 2-0 to Rangers for the first time since May 2009. So you would have still been a Chelsea fan at this stage. Um, Celtic Celtic was out with four players with coronavirus. And I know I don't know if you remember a couple of months back we got a, a letter in from a listener asking if this was their year, Rangers. Um, but I still don't think it is. They've got a pretty good record against Celtic. But that was massive. So the other crazy, dumb- crazy result there, and uh, Stevie G has um, done rather well. And everyone thought it might take a couple of seasons for him to sort of close the gap. Like there it was, wasn't even a gap, was it? It was a bit of a gulf between um, Celtic and, and Rangers. So he's taken um, steps to do that last year, and hopefully this is him just um, doing that again. Yes, yeah, so they've got to get it done week in, week out to win that title. But they've um, they're going a long way towards it. And that that's shot about the stats is just outrageous. Um, the other one is a. Bit of a cult hero, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored a double in the Milan Derby. So he took a got himself a pen in the first half. He won the pen, got up, missed the pen, and then tapped it home, and then scored another one at the back stick. Did you see this? I saw this. Yeah. And then he came out and he said, um, "They wouldn't be able to handle me if I was twenty or something, uh, and now I'm forty and they still can't handle me." Like it's just unbelievable, the man. He is he is unbelievable, and I appreciate him. But like I enjoyed those Zlatan um, quotes and the lines and stuff. But I enjoyed those like five ten years ago. Like I don't know, it's just is it getting is it getting a bit old? Just hearing him say that I know he can beat COVID because he's a lion and they can't deal with him and he's so good at this age. Like I don't know, I feel as though he's just he's doing that shtick too much, and I'm over. Hearing uh, about if, it. If he can keep, keep scoring goals in the derby, I think he's allowed to keep doing whatever he wants to do if you're a Milan fan. Um, but look, yeah, he's got a brand he's protecting. The, the other one I wanted to talk the last about. Man, the, the last man who doesn't have a brand to protect. <laughs> um, so this one's quite serious and not funny. Um, so Robinho, I'm not sure if people remember him, but he was fantastic in the early 2000s. Um, absolute entertainer. Former Man City and Real Madrid player, not really a legend, but he was that big move for Man City when they became, um, when people realised they were a football club. So um, he returned to Santos and um, apparently he has a pending sexual assault case from like 2013. So a number of sponsors have pulled out. So he signed, they put out the, as people do now, the Instagram or Robinho's home, bunch of sponsors said, we're not having it. And um, they suspended his contract like that day. So bad news for Robinho, um, and I don't think this one's going to end well either. I don't. He could go and play for the red half of Manchester, though, and just complete the Manchester double. Probably get That's an option. 400 grand a week too. So the last one, the big talking point of the week. So I'm not sure if you heard this, but Virgil van Dijk suffered an ACL injury which will rule him out for most of, if not the whole season. And then so, like, yeah. will a real title contender now stand up with van Dijk going down? Yeah, well, this probably just leads us quite nicely from weekly happenings into the review. So, I mean, there's no other place to start, is it? But, like, is anyone arguing that this is not a red card? That's a straight red all day, right? What? I don't understand. I don't, I don't want to make this thing about VAR again. 
But how do they – it's like anything that happened after this weird offside call just didn't happen. Didn't count. But, like, that's like – I don't know. So say, say in – if we're taking that that's the precedent, if there's someone who slipped through who's clearly offside and the linesman has that thing where he doesn't put up his flag until the play is finished now – like, why wouldn't someone just go through sort of knee height and just slice someone down? Because apparently nothing counts after an offside. So what happens if Jordan Pickford punches him in the face? Probably does less well, damage. Probably does less damage, and Van Dyke would probably prefer that. Clot would definitely prefer that, a broken nose rather than... Yeah, it doesn't make sense that just because he's offside, nothing else counts at that point. Because, like, you can't do... Like, people get sent off after the game all the time. And, like, even last week, players got sent off after the game. So... Like that particular phase or whatever it is of the game is finished, obviously because it's full time. But then they get sent off. But no one can do anything after an offside call. It just seems crazy. If that if that tackle happens anywhere else on the pitch after the whistle's blown, and I actually saw an incident on the weekend, um, not related, but between Sydney United and Wollongong Wolves, where a similar thing happened. Like a bloke got folded. The next bloke came in and absolutely folded him, and he was given a straight red. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely no different. It was just insane. And, like, as someone who doesn't like Liverpool, I I watched that and I was out of my chair being like, what is that? That's a horrible tackle. He's got to go. And, yeah. then, and then Van Dyke's like, lying on the ground in agony. And the referee's just like, oh, look, let's check the offside. Oh, he's offside by an armpit. All right, crack on, guys. Ridiculous. Yeah, just no, nah, absolutely, absolutely crazy. And I felt really bad for Van Dyke. I think we said off air that he, like, he knew something was serious when he was wincing in pain. Like he's not the type of guy to go down, um, like a Josh O'Brien or an Anti Martial. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Roll around. He, if he's injured or if he's hurt, he's really going to be um, showing. He's not really going to show that. But I mean, an ACL, and he just was really wincing, and then just come off the field. So yeah, he's obviously a tough dude, but. Yeah, I feel really sorry for him that his season um, season is done, and just the stupidness of Pickford just really shining through. Like we we both picked that he'd have an absolute howler in this game, but um, he did, but it didn't result in a goal. But I mean, in a in a normal universe, that he would have been sent off, and and probably um, Liverpool would have had a penalty and down to ten men, and both of our predictions would have come true. Yeah, so let's 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 get back to the football now. So I think we can all agree that um, that was horrendous. But Liverpool straight out of the blocks. I love that goal. Jeez, that was fast. Yeah, it was ah. nice, nice, nice play. Uh, the initial pass to break the lines from um, from uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. He's, he's inged it in. Um, yeah, that I think that was probably the the pass. And then when um, Salah clipped it out to. Uh, went out to Robinson. I think that was meant for Mane. He just leant back on it and it flew over Mane's head. But once Robinson got hold of it, cut inside, cut it back to Mane. And then, yeah, 1 0, Liverpool pull were off to a fly. Fourth minute or something, wasn't it? Yeah, third minute, Mane whacks mm-hmm. it home. And then, um, like, it was quite a bit of an arm wrestle after that. And then Michael Keane rose like a salmon um, from a James Rodriguez corner. Do you think Adrian could have done better? That's what I was about to ask you. He's got to do better. How soft are those wrists? They just folded back. Oh, Bloody flaps. But having, having said that, um, could the marking have been better? Um, like it wasn't – like I can't see how you could lose your man inside the six-yard box from a corner that's just taken directly. Like it's not 
you know, it's not as if it's a second phase of play and you can understand how someone or see how someone switch off. Like he, he's got a hold of his shirt, the cross comes directly in and, and they score. So, yeah, disappointing from uh, I think it was Joe Gomez and then disappointing from um, Adrian. Great ball in from Hummers and a, like a powerful header from Keane. But, yeah, I think like chocolate wrist Adrian there needs to do better. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so, then, so then Liverpool generally fairly dominant but um, just not quite the same without Virgil back there. And then Mo Salah, what a strike! So some, most people take a touch there, but he just cracks it. Oh, yeah. Not Salah. Oh, geez, that was enjoyable. Um, he he's just he started the season so sharply, like he wasn't great in the game, but he's just got such an eye for goal, doesn't he? Yeah, we said that on um, on previous spots too. That yeah, he he just looks like he's ready to start the season, where other players are still sort of warming up, and that he looked ready from from match day one and continues his form. So Liverpool go ahead, but. Uh, Everton pull one back again, don't they? Yeah, they do. I, I really enjoyed this goal as well. That's a good centre-forwards goal from Calvert-Lewin. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, yeah. <laughs> what a header. He look, just looks so big. Rose like yeah. salmon. So he was on He was on Gomez. He just pulled off back onto Robinson. And then when the um, cross came in, great ball. Who who, who put the ball in? Didn't it wasn't Luca Dean, was it? I mm, can't remember, but yeah. Um, anyway, just pulled off onto Robinson. He's just too big, too strong, and from that range, you're not going to stop him if he's got a clear jump at it and uh, and too well. But then the late drama. So <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about the, on this one is the pass um, from Tiago to Mane, who was offside. Did you see the pass? Yeah, I, but I just can't get away from this. Like the the pass is something, but how is he offside? Oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. But the pass is a look-away pass. So Thiago is facing um, uh, the centre-back and then he just, like, closes his body real sharp. I encourage everyone to go back and watch it. Yeah, and that's a that's a 25-yard look-away pass zinged into Mane's feet. But how is he offside? Like, he's directly in line with the, um, the line of the centre-halves and they've just – honestly, they – how do you pick which armpit to do it from as well? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, at, at just that seemed... age, like surely as like fans, we need to just accept that there's going to be some like if it's that close, we just have to accept that you know they're going to get some wrong. Can we go back to like making slight mistakes? Oh, being... Is that a mistake? Like, I think if that if that's if there's no VAR and the linesman says no, nah, that's fine, play on. I didn't put my flag up for it, and they score. Is anyone is any like obviously if you've got a stake in the game you're going to feel one way or another but is any neutral going to say that's a horrendous decision that should have been offside yeah. like I just don't think that anyone would have a real problem with that being a goal and and how do you split that like yeah. from the naked eye I think it's fine like fuck honestly piss far off it's do more harm than good yeah and I just don't think I just think referees are now so afraid of making a mistake that they're always going to err on the side of caution. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's become ridiculous. But um, Thiago might have looked away for the pass, but he oh, certainly yeah. did not look away from the Richarlison challenge. That is. Sorry, I skimmed over that, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, that is a derby challenge if ever I've seen one. Bit of a, bit of a welcome to the Premier League from Richarlison, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was cowardly from uh, Richarlison. But the worst part about the tackle was that he laid on the ground after. 
Yeah. That was the most, and pretended to be injured so he didn't get a strawberry. <laughs> but no, he, there was a strawberry coming and he got one. And he's going to apologise to Tiago after that as well. Yeah, no, that was that was an absolute horror challenge. Um, and, and like, again, it could have been, I know, like, I'm sort of chuckling because I was like, bloody hell, that was shocking. But it could have done some serious damage. And that sort of challenge is yeah. not like a, oh, I was unlucky. It's like you plan that on a Tuesday sort of tackle. Like that was horrible. Yeah, that's a um, black book one for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know when someone clips you, in a game <laughs> and you write down their number and remember it for years and come back and pick them. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. So that that was that was a, a frantic way to start the weekend, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was a crazy game. But um, what do you feeling? I suppose we haven't really covered the result too much. But are you feeling it draws fair? I, I think. Looking at the end of it um, and hearing Klopp's interview, obviously he was um, rather taken aback by the the Van Dyke injury. I think the the news was just starting to filter through that it was something major at that point. But I think if you're Klopp, you just must feel so hardly done by coming into that game and coming out of it. So I think Everton Everton walk away um, from this in a much better position than Liverpool do, don't you think? I think Liverpool were unlucky not to win it and obviously have um, the Van Dyke injury to deal with as well. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think Everton will be pretty happy. Like, and I think the other thing that I like about Everton is, um, like, they've got like, Liverpool. Obviously, like, we're trying to keep away from Allen. Like, he's a little terrier in the centre of the park. But Everton, like, made no qualms about not trying to play through Liverpool's press. Um, and yeah. I, and I got a message from a friend actually. who's like, oh, Everton plays shit football, and I was like, I just think the absolute opposite. That's so functional. Like they're like, we know they press hard, yeah. and he's like, yeah. oh, they should try and play because Liverpool press well. I was like, that's that's silly. Like, well, you know they press well. Don't try and play through them. And they were just clipping it up to Calvert Lewin, and it was like it was having an impact on the game. I thought it was really clever from Everton, and um, just good management from Carlo to be like, we can't play through the press. The press is really good, but we have a six foot three centre forward and a bloke yeah. who runs off him who's fast. It, like I thought they were I thought they were good value for a point. Even yeah, everything all everything else sort of trying to balance all the other shit that went on in the game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Liverpool were a little bit hardly hardly done by, but I think um, yeah, Everton do um, do exit this game um, with the upper hand. That's the fourth um, Merseyside derby at um, Goodison to to be a draw. So good, good game, go. good game for the neutral. Game. Just had everything. So uh, we'll we are we're off to Chelsea versus Southampton, and uh, Frank Frank had a lot of money to spend in the off season, and he has solved those defensive woes. Oh wait, no, 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 he hasn't. He's got nowhere near it. What a bloody calamitous showing this was from Chelsea. Jeez, what is so like? I can't wait to get into um, Southampton's goals, but let's start with um, Werner's first goal. That classic ball roll into his feet where he's just um, skipped over it and the defender's stuck to his back and got too tight. Yeah. And it's just run through. And then I think he, he thought at one point he took too many touches to um, finish it and he bottled it, but no, he kept hold of it and smashed it in the corner. Great, great first finish. Um, and and then, then he got the second and then um, Havertz, which um, he he got the um, their last one, but they continue their form from um, international week. I think both of them played rather well for for Germany, and yeah, so they've done rather well here. But all right, let's get to it. Let's get to Southampton's goal. <laughs> so the fa- <laughs> oh, sorry, I just just aside there that Werner that Werner Havertz combination, like Havertz has been pretty poor in the first couple of weeks, but um, that's starting to look quite good. But attack was never Chelsea's problem. <laughs> so the first one there, Danny Ings, um, he just goes through completely. Like not a, not untouched because that's unfair because untouched says like 
there was someone almost close enough to touch him. No one's anywhere near him. No. <laughs> just, and that's, that's not as though he's like had to sort of bend in or do anything fancy. He's gone straight through the middle. It, well, even Kepa didn't even go near and get a glove on him, just like dived across him and he just scooted around him and, yeah, smashed it down the middle. Oh, just, just, just horrible defending. Um, and then the second, the second one. Second one. Wow. So, so who's I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through it. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I've got a few points here. So I think there's a few people to blame. So the first pass is, is clipped over the top, a, a decent ball actually, um, and, and Zuma's tracking it back. So I think Zuma passes it, tries to pass it back to Kepa. He leaves it a little bit short, but it's, it's short enough where if it was played properly, Kepa can clear it over the striker because he's got enough distance to do that. But um, Zuma leaves it short. But um, not short enough to where the striker can get it. So Kepa's still got room to play it, but the gap is so tight that he can't play it over the top of him, which is fine because if it gets to that point, just play it directly out to the side. What Kepa does is an absolute coward of a thing, pulls out of the tackle and sort of slides down. Then the ball like skims down towards the – and he stays on his knees too long as well. So after he's down, go back and watch that. He, he sits on his knees and thinks, I've bottled this. But he eventually gets back up. The ball gets cut back, and then he comes back to do a slight tackle, kick it out, when for some reason he forgets that he's got hands and that he can just go back and pick it up. Slight tackles. You hear his studs hit the um, hit the post and just like clatter against the post, and then um, Adams just lashes it into the roof of the net. But what, so I think, like, um, I think Zuma made a mistake, but the responsibility sits with Kepa. What do you think? Oh, geez, that's that's detailed. Um, yeah, it's so weird because it does look like it was like a mistake, but still preventable. But then Kepa just like it's like he there was a fire, and he's like, oh, the only liquid I have is petrol. Yeah, so that's what, so that's what like I think Zuma left it short, but the whole thing's still containable at that point. <laughs> no, but if he just goes and lashes it into the stand sideways instead of going over the top of him, but oh yeah, what's he? He's just so soft. So I think I've I've got um in the United game um that Carl Darlow where he dives at um Rashford's feet and you see how brave he is. He takes one. Um, a real beating in in that challenge and gets one right in the chest but stops the play and he didn't pull out at all. You compare that with Kepa's cowardice um, coming out, yeah. But Kepa's confidence is just shot. Like absolutely shot. Absolutely shot. Don't you think he has to go and see a sports – I presume, I hope to think that they are sending him to a sports psychologist of some description or a counsellor to get some some confidence back. But I was surprised that he didn't play um, Big Willie, to be honest. Yeah. I think – like, Kepa – I feel feel for Kepa too because, like, the worst thing about it is he's obviously – his confidence is shot. But he can't, like – even when they try to, like, pull him out so they can expose him a little, like, things like um, Mendy gets injured. So Kepa's back out there. Like he, yeah. he's just constantly in the spotlight, and it's just getting worse and worse for him. Honestly, he needs to come out of the team completely. I yeah, think. he needs to go play in like reason. the mountains in Peru or something, and just get his get his confidence back. Like he just looks, it's something bad happens to him, and it's like that self fulfilling prophecy when like you know you're like, oh, you're going to be shit at this, so you are. He yeah. just he just needs to like he needs a break from the game. Tough, tough. So <laughs> Frank not happy at the end either, was he? 
No, but who cares? Bad luck, Frank. You had so much money and you couldn't solve those problems. Um, I did predict this would happen. I just want to let everyone know. But they're sitting seventh now, um, eight points, but they've got some serious problems at the back. And they've dropped points to teams that they should be beating too. Yeah, well, you think that they um, at the start of the, start of the year you'd pick them to beat um, Southampton. But Yeah. All right, so mm. next one. Manchester City versus Arsenal. What did you make of this one? Well, not much really. Like I, I watched this game and um, I know it didn't really pan out to be sort of the the chess match or the, the two battle of the brains that some people sort of made it out, out to be. I mean, both teams played some similar stuff, but yeah, I thought Man City were, were good for the win. Um, Arteta said at the end, which I thought was interesting, that he was happy with the performance of, of Arsenal um, and it didn't matter if they lost, he said he was still happy, so... I mean, I find that interesting. I, I, I see what he's doing, which I think is positive. Like, if you look at um, the end of Wenger's run and um, and Emery's run, his whole run, really, you couldn't really see what they were doing. But at least with um, Arteta, you can see what they're doing. But, yeah, I thought City were just probably a shade a shade better and deserve the win and to get all three points. What did you think? Yeah, I think I think that the difference was the class, I think, of City. Um, I don't think Arsenal were bad. Um City, City weren't great, but Arsenal weren't bad either. I think the difference was just that quality in the final third. I think the Arsenal front three, I thought Saka played well. Um, yeah, but, Saka was good. He was lovely. But Pepe yeah. and Aubameyang and William, like couldn't quite get into it. And I know Edison played all right and he made a save from uh, – he rushed out to save from um, Saka and Aubameyang quite well. But Phil Foden probably should have wrapped the game up too with that chance. Um, yeah, he had a great chance, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, like Arsenal, I think Arsenal, you can, again, as you said, they're improving. Like you can see they're getting better. They stayed in the arm wrestle. They didn't let City get away from them. Um, I don't know if that's where Arsenal want to be as a club, but I was like, that's not bad for Arsenal. Um, it's just the quality of Sterling and Mares. I thought Mares was really good too. Um, and just the goal from Sterling. Sterling just looked the class above. Sterling, yeah. I think Mares um, is benefiting from a run in the team. I know they've got a couple of um, players missing, so he's, he's benefiting benefiting from a, a nice run in the squad, which are doing good. Um, David Lewis didn't get uh, picked in the starting lineup, um, and he was warming up and um, yeah, an injury brought him into the starting 11, so a late change for Arsenal, um, which didn't do too much damage, I don't think. I thought he was, I thought he was decent. Like, my, like considering how bad he was last time, I thought he was decent. And he almost put in, like, one of the bloody balls of the season for Aubameyang to score. Um, that could have made a very different perception of the game if Aubameyang got at the end of that cross. Yeah, he's got that in him, but then he's also got the howler in him as well. So that's yeah, just does. what you get with... Um, all right, so the Howler, that's a good way to move on to your next one. Newcastle 1, mighty Manchester United 4. What did you make of this one? Well, my first point here is, um, is Lewis's tackle on Rashford a pen, yes or no? No. No. Just for, there's no way there's a pen. How is that a pen? I don't it's know. It's just hardly any contact or I think he, like, he sort of toes the ball and then goes up and hits him in the bottom of the shin. Man, he just that's definitely not a pen. Um, I thought Carl Barlow, um, as I mentioned, um, the Newcastle um, keeper, he did really, really well. I was actually rather impressed with him. Um, obviously, he had the penalty save in there, but he made some other really good saves as well. So um, Bruno Fernandes, the first miss in 20 penalties. Can you believe that? Hard to believe that's only a season, isn't it? Hasn't missed yeah. a pen since June. Um, <laughs> um, no, look, it was that was – Carl Dallow was excellent um, and brave oh, too. 
Very brave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very impressive performance. I think he's injured now because um, Rashford yeah. clattered him. But yeah. the other keeper I thought was also very impressive. De Gea kept Manchester United in the game with a stunning save from a Callum Wilson header. Yeah, with his left hand, I think. What a it? save. Yeah, great. That save. was outrageous. And that, the game was in the balance at that stage. But let's go right back to the start. Luke Shaw. What what are you doing, Luke? Nah, Shaw? that's too hard. Isn't Do you reckon it? that's yeah. De Gea's fault? I reckon he should oh, take that. That's, nah, it's just a wicked deflection. I think I don't think you can do much about that. I think De Gea's weight's on his right foot, so when it hits left, Luke Shaw's left foot and spoons off into the corner, I just don't think De Gea can transfer his weight over to his left-hand side to get down fast enough. So be I think you've been a bit harsh on him now. I think that was just a wicked deflection. But let's not talk about the first two minutes. Let's talk about the last ten. United well, shit house well, for a long period and then irresistible. Well, so that, that's what I've got one of my notes on here. I was like, did the flurry of goals at the end cover up for bad team selection and a poor performance from Manchester United? Yes, 100% yes. And it would have been even more so if um, that penalty had gone in because like sitting there as a United yeah. fan, you're like, that's not a penalty. And then Fernandez misses and you're like, oh, you don't want to see Fernandez miss a pen, but like that's kind of justice. Um but Manchester United weren't good. Very, very weird team selections. I think he had one eye on PSG on um, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so that was understandable. But I don't know. I just don't, I thought it was a bit disrespectful to Newcastle to field that team and also um, a lack of understanding of where you are in the table. Yeah, and in priorities as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I, look- thought, I, was, I was a bit shocked that um, Mata started, but he would, he was really, really good. For um for Bruno's goal and what a goal that is, we'll cover that soon. Um, but for his goal, that pass that he played was just so like well weighted, and he seemed to hook up with um Bruno Fernandez uh, really really well. So I've got down here that um Mata and Fernandez um interchanged passes thirty one times. Yeah, right. During that game, so they they seem to click and, and get on rather well. Fernandez Fernandez didn't have a good game, but like I just that's another thing that bewilders me is that like. Juan Mata gets a bad rap. Juan Mata is very good. Like He was great in that game. Oh, he was he, really good. He, even when the team was struggling, and it was by no means his fault. Like, you know what you get with Juan Mata. He's creative. He gets on the ball a lot, and he will create chances. But there were no strikers to take advantage of the chances he was creating. And Bruno Fernandes is good at getting forward and moving off the ball. Um so you can see why that would work. And Marta's still a very good player, especially when United are on top of teams. Like he's yeah. a player you can rely on to slide that final pass in and create chances. Yeah, I think if you're playing at home against a lower team, you put Mata in your team every time and he'll find a pass and unlock someone for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought he was great. But let's go to Bruno's goal. What a hit. Did you see? It's similar to the disallowed one too. Jeez, he lashed that home. Yeah. Um, he's just... The thing, the best thing about Bruno Fernandez is he didn't play well, but you can see he never stops. Like he just never stops trying. He's always looking to score, always looking to shoot, always looking to create. He's just he's such a leader on the pitch that Manchester United were apparently missing. Um, the missed penalty didn't affect him at all, didn't it? He, nah. he thought instead of shrinking, he was like, "I'm going to make this right," and and he did really well. Yeah, he was, and it was good to see Harry Maguire on the score sheet as well. Um. I wouldn't yep. say Ansu Saka got his first goal in in fifty games for Manchester United. Great strike too, but that it was all in that uh, not Maguire's, but the other ones were just in that late flourish. But that was a great hit from Wan-Bissaka as well. Yeah, so you you a bit worried about the initial performance from United, at least for the first um, eighty. Not really. I think it was a fairly miserable team. Um, 
Like, it was a bad team to field. I was surprised he didn't start Donny Vanderbeek. Like, it just seems like he's so... Like, Dan James was... Like, it was awful. Oh, his touch is so bad. And his football IQ is not good either. But Donny Vanderbeek could play that role better. Easily, but I'm I'm wondering if um he's thinking Donny starts against PSG. I hope so. I I thought he might tinker with the formation a little bit just to see if parts fit. Um, because like he's got Donny sitting there, he's got Marta, he's got Fernandez, he's got Pogba. Like there's some very good midfielders in there, and with Martial out, you're like, well, Rashford's obviously going to move up top because Gavani can't play. Like he has a lot of options, but he doesn't seem to have a plan B. Yeah, I think. He had to. He did have to make some changes. Some of them were force, and some of them were the battering that they got the week before. So he couldn't sort of roll out the same team. But oh yeah, I'm wondering if um, he was sort of rotating with PSG in mind, or he was rotating and shuffling his deck because of um, what happened last week and a couple of injuries. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So look, you take the points. Not a great performance, but the focus moves to PSG this week. Um, next one we're going to touch on is Sheffield United one, Fulham one. Now, the pod is a big fan of Mitro. Big fan. Yes. What a shit day he had. Oh, he's making it hard to love him at the moment, isn't he? But, again, that penalty, like the one that he – not the one he missed, <laughs> the one he gave away. Oh, he gave away, What do yeah. you think of that? That's a pen. And that's just him just not being having any composure and just lashing out. Um, and, yeah, he clearly can't defend or doesn't have any type of composure in the in the back there. But, uh, like, it was a – I see what you 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 angling that wasn't a pen because I, I think I, I wouldn't have lost any sleep if they didn't give it. Yeah, okay. So his leg was in the air and, and he just kicked it and made his leg go, um, you know, into rosette. So I think that was a pen, but um, no disputes with that. One all this game, this game finished. But yeah, let's go to Mitro's um, miss. So he's he the <laughs> pen gets watered. Mitro steps up. Who else? Of course he does. Um, and he just absolutely bashes it and it clips the middle of the crossbar and goes over and the score remains uh, nil-nil. And he has missed four out of the last ten penalties. Does he get moved? Do Fulham move him off penalties now? I reckon if you try and move him, he'll belt you. Like, and he's a big man. He'd, he'd easily he'd easily take you. But, um, no, look, he had even after all of the crap that went on in the game, and um, we'll touch on Adamola Lookman's goal. Um, that was stunning. Great goal. But um, Mitro still had a chance to win the game late. He's flashed wide with the header and it's yeah. all been forgiven. Yeah, but I think um, coming off the um, previous sort of 85 minutes, yeah, he just wasn't in the right space to, to get that done, was he? No, but- would you have paid £15 for that game? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Um, but I was pleased for um, Billy Sharp to come on. Strong name, strong British name. Um, I thought he did well and, uh, yeah, got the pen and finished it nicely. He's been there forever, hasn't he, Billy Sharp? He'd be, oh, right. he'd be, he'd be pushing had... 40, 34. Um, but he's a Sheffield United legend. He did so well. Like he, he, Once he came on, he just impacted the game. Like He was just involved and he was just right up for it. So, yeah, I was, I was happy with his performance. But, um, yeah, I think you and I sort of predicted that this was um, going to be a bit of a snooze fest. And, I mean, it didn't didn't over-deliver, but, it, like, it wasn't terrible either. But, yeah, Fulham remain in 19th, with, um, but do pick up their first point. And Chef United um, in 17th also picking up their first point. So that's good to get them off... Uh, 
off the big donut, isn't it? It is, and I, that, I don't think they'll say points for a while again. So let's move on to uh, the big rivalry, um, tongue-in-cheek, Palace versus Brighton. So, so first off, so one all, let's get that out of the way. But well, first off, let's cover the, um, the derby in the history oh. of this. So it really annoys me that people call it this M23 derby, which is a highway that connects the two. Um, so it's from South London down to down to Brighton. Um, and we were discussing this in our group chat today, weren't we, about yeah. um, whether it was a derby. And I think we landed on it's not a derby because they're not located near each other, but we're happy to concede it is a rivalry um, based on the, the shenanigans in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, look, I'll have to take it, even though there was nothing in the 90s and the 2000s. But, um, look, I'll, I'll happily take rivalry, not a strong one, but what my biggest gripe about this game is the penalty. Lamptey hardly touched him. Oh, I, honestly, he he got nowhere near him. And Will Zaha went down like he'd been shot. And I like Will Zaha mm. too, so it's not a personal criticism of Will Zaha. But, like, that was not a penalty. And how? How can someone watching that with the time and benefit of a replay be like, good call, ref, we'll, we'll take that? So, so VAR gave the penalty in the end, but... Um, did the referee not give anything and then it went to a penalty or did the referee give it and VAR confirmed? Yeah, it? I'm not sure. I was too, honestly, I was too aggrieved watching it to, to know what the actual call was. Cause I was just sort of wandering around being that's not, that's not a penalty. That is not nah. a, like, that was just ridiculous. Okay. Um, oh. but anywhere else on the pitch, like a goal <sighs> kick gets taken and Lampy climbs a little bit on um, Zaha and, and they sort of have this neutral jewel where the ball just drops that's just play on. Like, there's no way. It's just for some reason it's a cross and, and they think that there's a penalty there because he's inside the box. Uh, no, just, not having it. But um, anyway, so then game cracks on. Brighton played quite well again. They're they're a good team to watch, Brighton. Um, and eventually they get a deserved equaliser, in my opinion. Um, it was a nice strike by, I think it was McAllister. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little, I think it was deflected, but, like, nothing more than they deserved. They were just so industrious and they're so clever with their passing. Um, that I think they deserved it. That shot, that penalty from yeah. Crystal Palace was their only shot on target. So that's what I had down. I had down, it was, the, so the pen, as you say, was the only shot on target. And you said last week that they had more going forward than um, Brighton did. And I said, no way, but there you go. I was proved right again. So um, that, I found that interesting, but let's go to the biggest talking point of the whole game. Lewis Dunk's tackle. Oh, oh my God. Fuck. Honestly, I felt that in my lounge room. Fucking hell. <laughs> Pickford's tackle was horrendous, and it was the second worst tackle this weekend. That that tackle was <laughs> out of order. Oh, honestly, you see videos on Facebook and Instagram of like horror challenges, and they're not any worse than that. No, that that's out of order. That to see that in twenty twenty in the in the prem is just unbelievable. Oh, that was. <laughs> I, so I think his theory was that I'll just go through here and cl- try and clean out everything, and if someone clears it, it'll ricochet off my studs and go in, or I'll just take this guy straight through. Yeah, if his leg as well. <laughs> if his leg makes contact with the ball, I can take that off from the joint. And just flick it into the back oh, of the net. It was a fuck. Oh, this is bad, wasn't it? Absolute horror. Honestly, he should get like a very long time for that. If there was, if the people who were giving out the suspensions understood football, um, he would get seven or eight weeks for that. That was a yeah. horrible challenge. And so like, right into sixteenth now, 
and um, and Palace in thirteenth. I don't know how. Like I don't know. I know the table doesn't lie, but um, Brighton are better than that. Like they just they've been so unlucky, and you're worried that it could be one of those Wigan scenarios where they're like, oh, they're so good to watch and they're so good, but they end up going down. Maybe, but I think there's just a lot of trash underneath them. So um, I think that could <laughs> potentially <laughs> potentially keep them up. But some good news mm. for Brighton on the way with um, Danny Welbeck signing from Watford. Um, you happy with this move? This should help them going forward, I would think. Yeah, I don't know if they have. They don't really have problems going forward. But like, I think Danny Welbeck's a good player. He's just always injured. It's so sad. Um, he was yeah. obviously Manchester United for a number of years. Um, a very, uh, he went to Arsenal, yeah, for, on a free. But it just never, like, it just couldn't happen for him. He's always injured. But he's such a, when he's in full flight, he's so good to watch. Um, and he just, yeah. like, drifts past players. And he's got this really um, languid sort of movement that makes him hard to challenge. Yeah, like, he, he's um, deceptively quick, isn't he? But, yeah, he's, he's been on a bit of a slide. As you say, injuries contributed to that. But I think some patchy form has as well where he's gone from um, Man United down to Arsenal, then to Watford and now Brighton. So, yeah, let's hope he can get fit and um, and get some minutes into him because he's still got, still got some um, years ahead of him in his career and um, we wish him all the best here. All right, so this is a good one. Tottenham 3. West Ham three. Fuck. <laughs> that was the Jesus most. Christ. That was the most Spurs Spursing of a fixture I have ever seen. Oh, except for that time they lost five three to Manchester United after leading three 0 at half time. But so forty seconds in, Harry Kane quick free kick, Son through. Um, shortly after that, um, Harry Kane shoots through the leg, a little nutmeg, and then shoots through the legs nice to make it two 0 by the way, we're only seven minutes in. Fifteen minutes in, a nice um, cross whipped across from the left hand side, and Harry Kane finishes rather well. And at this at this time, we're fifteen minutes in, and Spurs are three 0 up. So my question to you is, what is going on with Spurs and their starts? Is it is it as easy as saying a they're not fit enough, or b they can't concentrate, or is that just a bit lazy um, analysis of it? Because I know when teams can see goals late, the first thing everyone's like, "Oh, they're not fit enough," or um, they don't concentrate, or is it that too simplified? I don't, I, it might be an issue with concentration. It's not fitness, like because they, they they seem to run out the games fine, um, but they just start so well. Like that, that first fifteen minutes was outrageously good from Spurs. And the same against Manchester United, just unbelievable. And then I think they got to that three where it says United, they're able to push on, but they got to three and they like sort of were a little bit comfortable um, when it would have been good to have seen them like as a City or a Liverpool do really go for the jugular and be like, three's good, but we're going to beat them by five or six. Yeah, potentially that's that um, That's that word that Jose uses on the documentary where he wants, the, wants them to be yeah. a bit harder edged. Yeah. And that, that's what they don't do that. It. But they should have put this game to bed and they definitely had chances. And Harry Kane was a whisker away from a perfect hat trick. Oh, um, that was so nice, that little whip on the left him, yeah. The combination between him and Son, like I know we spoke about it last week, but it's just so good. And Harry's coming deeper and Son's getting yeah. behind and Harry's passing has just been – like the range so he's got is just unbelievable right now. His passing's almost better than um, his finishing, which is outrageous thing to say considering how, how sharp his finishing is. But they are t- – no, they're third equal in Premier League history for goal combinations with 28. Jeez, that's that is 
that is an impressive stat. But I'll tell you what's Thanks. not an impressive stat. Tottenham's <laughs> so Gareth Bale comes on in the seventy second minute. Great to see Gareth back. He's got time. Well, can, we, can, we, can we cover this real quick? What do you think of him taking the number nine jersey? I don't like it. Didn't sit well with me. Didn't look That's right. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Didn't look right. No, even when he was when he goes through for that chant that I'm about to talk about, where he butchers it. It just didn't look right. So who's number eleven for Spurs? I can't even work out who's number. Jeez, oh, uh, let's have a quick look. It will be Eric Lamella, another left-footed. Oh come on, sack him off. I like. I think he's good. Would, uh, yeah, I, me too. But not not to the point where you don't give him his number. Yeah, well, Kane's a number ten now, but who's they don't have a nine anymore. So yeah, anyway, well, so Gareth, Gareth's got this nine. Doesn't look right, but he he gets through on goal, um, and he butchers a good chance. So he's come on. Tottenham a fly, and everyone's like, oh, it's great to see Gareth back. Give him a bit of a swan song. Wrong. Spurs are about to spurs it up. So, so we the first one is um, is the first one the header from the corner. Balbuena? No, the first one that they concedes the um, – oh, yeah, it is. It, it is, is Balbuena. Balbuena. Good header. Um, they could have done better with the marking, but, like, you can't complain too much. Good header. And then uh, Sanchez on goal. <laughs> Davison Sanchez. Tough. What's he doing? Yeah, but what else can he do? The, it's he's, in from he's his leg. It's hip, it's hip high. Why would you not try and kick that? Hey. Well, like he could have brought it down. It's I don't know why he tried to get down into it. Like it looked yeah, like he was yeah. trying to just tuck it home, and then he looked up and he's like, "Oh, what have I done? Use your feet, Nelson. Like it's not that hard." All right, let's go to the last one then. Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! What a strike. Oh, so Harry Winks gets a little toe to it. Um, it's from corner, like the second phase of play, and it's broken down. Harry Winks gets a little toe to it to try and get it sort of from the 18-yard box to about 25 yards. Um, but all he does is find Lanzini, and Lanzini steps forward right forward. And just sort of, I like it how he sort of sliced across it. So, and I think this is fully intentional. So, you know, when you see someone spin like that, you think, oh, yeah, he's sliced that. But this is fully intentional to hit across the ball like that. When you hit across the ball like that, you get the spin away. Um, and it just rocketed into the top corner. But I give Larice, um some recognition there because he did get some fingertips to it, which I thought was rather impressive, but not to be. Crashed into the top corner, shirts off, Moisey on the pitch, and the boys are 3-3. Three, three. Moisey, he's only, he's only a couple of days off a positive COVID test and hasn't affected his lungs at all. He has taken off, and he's doing – what a moment. Like, it was just it so was- pleasing to see. When he was on the pitch giving it the double fister thing, it reminded me of that time that um, Sir Alex Ferguson ran on the pitch and he just felt like he <laughs> ran out there in excitement and then he sort of realised that, oh, shit, I'm on the pitch. And then he did this weird like double fist pump and didn't really know how to celebrate and you could just see that he looked like a really old man. <laughs> no, Moisey didn't. He, like, he was just buzzing. It was just so good to see. Like, come back the from second, the death. The sec- yes, the come back from the death. But the second best West Ham manager celebration of all time. Agree? Well, who's the best, Harry? No, it's got to be got to be Pards when he did that oh, dance. Oh, Pards! Was it, I thought he was at Palace when he did the dance. No, <laughs> wasn't it? Was yeah, there? no, he's at Palace in the FA Cup final. That <laughs> stupid <laughs> fucking dance. Um, <laughs> no, Moisey was great, but there was just the absolute scenes at the end. Like you love to see a good pile of players. Like everyone's running in. Spurs devastated. Um, it was just a crazy finish. Like so good. What a weekend. Nine third minute too. What a way to, to get a point. And those those, um, those type of games where you come back like that and get a point, they for the team being Spurs that were 3-0 up and, and you walk away um, with a point, 
like you, you, it feels like a defeat. You feel deflated, and sometimes it gets carried into the next week. But if you're West Ham um, and you're three 0 down, you come back and draw three three. The players sort of bounce across um, the the pitch, the at, at training when you go back, and like the moods were just way better around camp, and it kind of feels like a win because um, you're so close to defeat. So yeah, hopefully um, West Ham carry that on, and let's see if Spurs can pick themselves up. But yeah, what a finish! Last thing that I just want to touch on is. Um and they're very quick, so I know we're running out of time, but um, Moisey's found his Fellaini too. Um, at Everton, he used to throw Fellaini forward for the headers when they were down. At United, in the short stint, it was the same. And Thomas Suchek has admirably filled that role. He's about six foot four, Suchek, and he just chucked him forward just to try and get those nod-ons. It's beautiful to watch. <laughs> All right, let's move away from anti-football to Leicester Villa. What do you think? What's going on at Leicester? That was a great strike from Ross Barkley, and I thought I thought Villa were good for the points. I know people won't like this, but um, I thought they deserved it, and I thought Jack Grealish looked quite ominous towards the end there, um, and like I, I thought they looked the more likely team to win it. Leicester without Jamie Vardy, just rudderless. What do you think? Yeah, I think Villa have done really, really well and they've impressed me. I had them tip for relegation, I think. We'll, we'll have a look at those at halfway through the season, those tips. But, yeah, I had them peg for relegation um, initially, but they've really done uh, well. They've won their first four games in 90 years. Wow. That's a long time. Um, Dan Smith, he's done really well, um, really impressed me. I thought he did well in the market and he's obviously done well at the start of the season. Um, the club were in a bit of a situation where, you know, they're going to stick or twist with him. Um, but they stuck with him and, yeah, he's done come back and um, and got some really good points for them. And they're sitting second um, with 12 points, so they've done rather well. But I, the, if we go to the goal, because that's probably the, the main thing, because I think both teams just were going back and forth at each other. Um, and I don't think any each of these teams play better than the other. But, yeah, so we go to the goal that um, sort of defined the match and um, split the teams. was So Chow, have a look at Chowdhury, at, who's playing centre mid for Leicester at this point. He steps forward and tries to press through. The ball gets sort of whipped down the side and slipped past. Um, and then they find Ross Barkley inside, and he's just in so much room. And he just meanders through, takes three touches, and then cracks it in the bottom corner. Great finish from Ross, but, uh, like, I'm questioning where the – the um the midfield is for Leicester. I think they're they're really missing um Didi. They play Mendy there and and Chowdhury there comes on every now and then to, to do a role. But yeah, they they're just not um Ndini. So um I found it interesting what Ross said at the end of the game. He said that um he hadn't trained all week and he'd been really 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 struggling. Um and then so when he scored a goal, he ran over to the sideline. And just hugged the medical staff and then the interviewer said, what what was up with that? And he just said, yeah, I hadn't been training all week. He's been working really hard with me all week and, and got me fit and got me um, good enough to play. So, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch and um, I can relate to that. So that that's good. But, yeah, without Barty, I think Leicester did do look a bit lost and it just goes to show that they should have gone into the market for some assistance because Ian Acho is not cutting it um, in the Premier League, I don't think. I think he's sort of um, just well above his his level and Samani's just, yeah, probably a bit ring rusty considering he hasn't played football for probably 12 months. Neither neither Inacho or Samani really troubled Mings and concert at all for me. Like, I know, like, I think Villa had the better chances. I thought Villa were good. Like I just didn't Leicester just didn't have it going forward without Vardy. Ian Acho just looks so pedestrian. 
Yeah, considering Leicester's run of form recently, the two poor performances, they're still sitting in fourth. So, yeah, yeah they did have a good start, but let's see if Brendy can um, fix up these injuries and, and get the squad right. All right, so let's move on. So it's time for um, the biggest cup competition in the world. European okay. Champions League. Oh, yeah. oh yes, a Carabao. So let me put down my can of Carabao and we'll talk about the Champions League. Um, so massive week of fixtures. How exciting is this? Yeah, well, I don't know. I just, I'm not that excited for it yet. I like the Champions League, but uh, like the group stages don't really do it for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a knockout man. Um, but yeah, so there is some big fixtures in here. I think some of the bigger teams um, didn't get seeded as they otherwise would have, and so that's why you get these um, big clashes uh, in the group stage. But yeah, well, why have you got the first game circled being um, Juve and Dinamo? So Juve are strangely struggling. Um, they looked very patchy on the weekend, and they're without Cristiano Ronaldo. So on the weekend, they drew one all with, I think it was Crotone. Um, and Enrico Chiesa put an assist for Murata on debut and then was sent off. Um, so they're looking a little bit patchy, and I don't think that they're the team um, that they were last year. And with Ronaldo out, I'm just wondering if there's a chance of a slip-up here. What do you think? Yeah, it could be a slip-up here. I think this is interesting because um, the other half of this group um, ha- includes Barcelona. So I think everyone's hoping that Ronnie can um, get healthy again and then he can be there for that second fixture against um, Messi. Yeah, that's whatever. And I think so Barcelona are going up against, and I'm going to struggle to say this, is it Ferran Varos? Ferran Varos, sound about right? So that's Barcelona got this. So this will be the first ever meeting between the two, and I think Barcelona might win it by a few. Um, so the next one is Chelsea versus Sevilla. What do you make of this one? Mm, yeah, this will be interesting to see what team um, Frank goes with with Chelsea here, but um, I probably like Sevilla out of this. Um, and are they travelling to each home team? in the Champions League, or are they going to a neutral ground? What's happening? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I suppose they'd have to be travelling, wouldn't they? Where's Chelsea playing? Just furiously tapping away at the keyboard here. Yeah, um, if, they, if they, well, if they're playing at Stamford Bridge, I'd probably like their chances a bit better. I think if they're playing at um, neutral venue, I'd probably go Sevilla um, in this game. But, yeah, that's probably what interests me the most, what Frank's going to do, who he's going to pick, um, firstly in goal, but um, then in the front third as well. What team he's going to go with? So where where are they playing? Um, they're at Stanford Bridge, so they're travelling. Yeah. Well, um, okay. I remember when we were over there, an Atletico came to play at Liverpool, and that was um, an absolute coronavirus hotbed. Um, yeah, great. Shut down the whole bloody country. So Chelsea have won just one of their last nine Champions League matches against Spanish opponents. Five draws Interesting and a stuff. loss. Yeah, haven't won since 2017. Um, so I think. I think Sevilla is the favourite for this one, and I just Chelsea just aren't showing me enough to suggest that they're going to be able to keep them out. Um, so I think I think Sevilla is going to pinch this one on the road. Okay, both going Sevilla. Interesting. Um, Real Madrid and uh, Shakhtar. Uh, yeah, look, this will be interesting to see. I just want to see what Real Madrid turns up. 
Um, so they haven't been great in the league, but um, they obviously are the experts in the Champions League. So I think Real Madrid are unbeaten in their last eight games against Ukrainian opponents. So I think that will continue, and I think Real Madrid might win by a few. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll be too strong. And um, it looks like they've got a, a blessing in this group too. If you look at their group, they've got Shakhtar, Inter, and um, Muchen Gladbach. So, yeah, I think that they should win this initial fixture against Shakhtar and will probably top the group, it would be safe to say. Um, so what about uh, Ajax and Liverpool? Is this the match of the round? Oh, United PSG. Yeah, so um, Ajax and Liverpool are going to meet for the first time in the European Cup since 1966. Um, so there's two two very historic teams in this one. So Ajax have obviously been um, fairly... Um, well, they've been ripped apart by um, bigger clubs. Um, Hagem Zayich left, Frankie De Jong's left, Matthias De Litt's left, um, Donny van der Beek was picked up by Manchester United. So it's interesting to see if that football factory that is Ajax can keep producing. But Liverpool are reeling without Van Dijk. Do you think Ajax can get the points in this one at home? Yeah, I think Ajax might challenge them, but I think still think Liverpool will be, be too strong. Like Gomez, um, Matip, um, and they might even move um, Fabinho back, back there as well at, at some stage now that um, Van Dijk's gone for the rest of the season. So I think Liverpool will be too strong. And that's the danger of being Ajax when when you do go on a bit of a cup run, which was it wasn't even last year, it was the year before, where they went rather deep in the Champions League, got picked off by, um, by Spurs. That, that's the danger, isn't it, that someone comes in and signs all your players over the, the coming year. So, yeah, they're going to have to sort of rebuild rebuild their squad. This is an interesting group, though, with um, Ajax, Liverpool, Atalanta and um, Mitchelland as well. Yeah, so. it would be interesting to see what happens with um, Atalanta and Ajax. And Liverpool. Like, in, any of those ones could go through. Like, so I think if you slip up in this group, I think it could hurt you. All right, let's go to what I'm calling oh, that. Wow. Oh, shit. This is it again. Do you remember that night in Paris? Marcus Rashford's penalty. Do we need to go back? Cavani swap sides. Di Maria swapped. <laughs> There's a lot of history in this one. A lot of history. Um, and this is also a tough group too because we've got RB Leipzig um, in this group as well. So Manchester United really need to start fast. But a full-strength PSG, it's going to be a tough one. What do you think? Yeah, I think PSG will be too too classy for them, I think. Um, they'll get hold of Manchester United and um, I think this is a game where you really see um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer out of his depth. What do you think? See, I think it's different. I think this one, um, this is one where Manchester United's big names can easily get up for it and it doesn't matter how you coached or anything. I think the boys will be up for this one because like, likes of Pogba, um, Martial, like these are big name players um, and they're looking to be on the biggest stage. That's what they've wanted. Pogba saying, oh, I've got to be Champions League, blah, blah, blah. You've got it. These are the games you want. Yeah. Champions League's back at Old Trafford, even though it's empty. Like, I think they'll be up for it. I reckon Manchester United are going to win this game. Tough, tough group. So um, if Manchester United win this game, so who have you got going through this group? Uh, I've got Manchester United and PSG and Leipzig to miss out. <laughs> really? Leipzig to miss out. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because I think United, I think the players that Manchester United have, there's just no excuse. And this will also be a debut for Edison Cavani. So I think he's going to know all the weaknesses of that PSG team better than anyone. Well, he's not going to start, though. You'd imagine he'd be on the bench. Oh, I, reckon, I wouldn't. 
yeah, I think nah, he, he's probably, he probably will be on the bench, but he's he's like a player who's fit regardless. Um, yeah, he so gets praised a lot for his work rate. He's he? he's unbelievable work rate, like one of the hardest working strikers in Europe. So I mm. think he's a chance for a start, but I think Oli might hold him off um, and go with the counter-attacking Martial. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dan James get a start. I hope to God he doesn't, but just because they think the PSG are going to have more of the ball. Just for work rate, yeah. Yeah, and it, maybe you'll see Alex Teller start too, um, but it's it's all up in the air. But it's going to be a hell of a game. So that is 6 a.m. Wednesday. Um, so set the alarms at 5.45, get yourself up, get a coffee, get mentally right. This is going to be massive. <laughs> Take your Man City shirt off, put your Manchester United one on. And, and speaking of Man City, let's go Man City Porto. Yeah, no, this one, this one interests me a little bit because um, obviously Porto are a bit of a factory for football players now. Um, just churn them in and out. But um, like they're, I think Manchester City aren't the side that we think that they are right now. Um, they're sort of they're sort of puttering along. Porto's league form hasn't been great, but I feel like it's going to be easy to get up for this one. And I think City they just haven't quite hit their straps yet. What do you think? Yeah, I think. If you're going to play Man City, I think this is a good time to get them. As you say, they don't seem like they're in full stride. Squad isn't fully fit. Um, so, yeah, a good time to, to get them. I, I think Man City might be just too good for, for Porto, especially um, if they're at home. So I'm probably tipping Man City to, to win this. But then I think from there, if they can do that, they sort of crack the group um, open. And I think I see them um, sort of getting this done a little bit earlier, actually, and taking a couple of games off. They've got Marseille, Olympiacos, and Porto in their group. So, yeah, I think if um, Man City do this right, they could probably um, qualify after only four or five games, maybe. All right, this is the stat. The stat for this game is an absolute doozy. So this is Porto's 21st away game against English opponents in European competition, and they're still looking for their first victory. So they've got three draws and 17 defeats, and they've failed to score in the last seven trips. Jeez, that, that's that, shit out. That, that is horrendous. So the last one is another one that throws its hat in the ring for the match of the round, Bayern versus Atleti. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to change my um, match of the round to Bayern-Atleti, actually. I didn't see this on the running order. But, yeah, it'd be good to see um, see Bayern start up their Champions League campaign. It, it's just – it feels a bit odd still, doesn't it, that we just had the final – it feels like we had the final not so long ago. And, um, and Bayern just won it. Now they've got to try and defend it. But – yeah, this will be interesting. Like you know what both teams are going to do. You know the style Bayern are going to play, sort of that um, rock and roll style football, and and sort of press hard and, and try and get hold of the ball. And you already know what Atleti are going to do, where yeah, park everyone sort of behind it and sort of punch on the counter a little bit. But yeah, I think Jao Felix. I think he was a bit off for um, for Portugal during the week, and I just think it'd be too tricky to go against Bayern, um, especially at home. Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I am thoroughly looking forward to this one. So this is 6 a.m. Thursday, so you're going to have to choose between this and Liverpool Ajax. Um, I just love the contrast of styles here. This is one for the footballing purists. So Bayern are going to have maybe 80% possession, maybe higher, and Athletic will be happy to defend. Like there's no team in football that is more happy to defend on the top of their 18-yard box than Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah. It's just so good to see. Um, Atletico roll their sleeves up and just be happy to defend. And Simeone think, will be there kicking every ball. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying, how they um, they like to defend and stuff. But I think, unfortunately for them, in this 
game, not only are they going to be defending a lot, but they're not going to control the game. So sometimes they don't have the ball um, but still control the game. I don't think they're going to be in control with, with Bayern. Um, I think that'll be the biggest um, biggest difference here. But um, do you see a start happening for Suarez? Oh, that's a tricky question. Uh, I think I do. I think you can. I think you can, yeah, I think so. Um, he, I think it's this sort of occasions made for him. Um, backs to the wall. They want someone who's going to go out there, but he's not moving well. <laughs> he's not. And I think I probably think they're going to start with Costa and Suarez or will come off the bench. <laughs> but he did score score a double during the week, so we'll see. It'll be <laughs> regardless. There's going to be some bruises on the Bayern Munich defenders um, by the end of the game. But no, look, that's a cracking game, and I am going to go for a draw in this one. Yeah, I've got Bayern. Got Bayern. Always. All right. <laughs> So that's it. So, look, um, we haven't got time for the mailbag this week, but do reach out. It's at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. That's how an email works. Um, Facebook, Football Played on Paper. Insta, at Football Played on Paper. Twitter, at Football on Pods. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating, um, especially going into this massive week of football. Um, We do it for the fans. All right. Check out that look-away pass from Tiago too. That's everyone's homework, and we'll see you later in the week. (laughs) 